And so as we can uh, tell from the scriptures as we have proclaimed them tonight, that uh, the idea of uh, a resurrection from the dead is not some Hellenistic, uh, Roman, uh, 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 non-Jewish expression, something that got cooked up uh, by the church somewhere along the way, and something that is as uh, goyish as a ham sandwich, and you know, and uh, something that uh, when a Jewish person embraces this, it's like, uh, now I'm eating a Little Caesar's pizza with 10 miles of bacon all around it. You know what I mean? All right? Because sometimes that's the idea that, that we get, right? Uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, the same deal with immersion, like when we get immersed in the water, right? We think that this is like some newfangled uh, Christian thing. Right? When the essence of all that we are and believe is Jewish, not just underground in roots, you know, or not just in our heritage as we look through a photo album of old pictures, uh, but the, es- the very essence, the very thing that we are as Messiah followers uh, is Jewish. The difference is, is that we recognize that the promise of the Mashiach has indeed come. See? Uh, and the, the problem we have sometimes is that when you look around the world, it's hard to tell, you see? Uh, but the reality in our lives and in the way that we commune with one another, you might say, or the way we live our lives, demonstrates this life. So, you know, it is interesting. Every week uh, here at Beth Messiah, in our liturgy, which, by the way, could also be called prayer, okay, uh, is uh, demonstrates to us and proclaims uh, the belief in the resurrection uh, of the dead in the Siddur. You look at any Siddur, any Jewish Siddur, it is a very, I'll use the theological, it's a very eschatological book. It is. The whole Siddur points to the future. The whole Siddur is about what God, we believe what God will do and how wonderful God is and what he will do. And then sometimes we read in the Siddur, because of what he has done for us in the past uh, and how he has sustained us in the present, we believe what he will do. And in fact, we even sang it tonight. And every single day, at least, at least three times a day, when Jewish people, who are Orthodox anyway, uh, 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 pray, these words uh, are said. Uh, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, the great, mighty, and awesome God, most high God, who grants loving kindness and master of all. You remember the deeds of our fathers, and in your love you have brought and you bring a Redeemer to their children's children for the sake of your name. King, supporter, Savior, and shield, blessed are you, Uh, uh, shield of Abraham, Lord, you are mighty forever. You call the dead to life. You are mighty to save. It goes on. You sustain the living with loving kindness and with great mercy. You revive the dead. You uphold those who fall, heal the sick, set the captive free, keep faith with those who sleep in the dust. Lord of might, who is like you? King, who can be compared to you? You decree death and restore life, causing salvation to come forth. You are faithful to revive the dead. Blessed are you, O Lord, who calls the dead to life. 
uh, you are holy and your name is holy and, and holy ones will proclaim your praise daily. Blessed are you, Lord, holy God. So again and again, it says you call the dead to life. Uh, then it says again, who, you, blessed are you, O Lord, who calls the dead to life. Now we might say, well, but that refers to resuscitation. Because, you know, there's a difference, right? Right, this is important. Right? Resuscitation is, that happens. You know, that happens in hospitals. It happens in Columbus, Ohio every day. Resuscitation. People's heart stops and they get resuscitated. Okay? Uh, uh, or even in the Bible, uh, you see a miracle, right? Where uh, someone dies and they come back to life. Yeshua did that kind of miracle. Elisha did that kind of miracle. Elijah did that kind of miracle, bringing people back to, back to life. That happens even today. Miraculously speaking, there are times when God testifies of his power and a dead person will, will come back to life. But what they all have in common is that they come back to the same life. You know, they come back to the same life and that uh, as many doctors will say when they're talking to you about that, um, you know, what you have is not going to kill you, sometimes they'll say, you know, you're going to die, but not from this, right? And, and so when people are resuscitated, they're going to die. It's not that death is gone. They're going to die, but not from that, see? Now, so when we talk here about reviving the dead, we have to ask ourselves, well, how is that understood? Is that sort of God resuscitates people so they can live longer and then die of something? Or that he raises the dead to a new life? Well, it's very interesting that uh, there's a very famous uh, a Jewish sage who also, by the way, was a doctor, uh, right? Uh, uh, his, uh, what he's referred to oftentimes uh, in uh, Judaism is Rambam, or Maimonides. Uh, and he created uh, a number of decrees of faith. Like, this is what we believe. Uh, and the last one is, we believe in the resurrection of the dead. Okay? Now, that's really important, because he understood that prayer of the Amidah to mean not resuscitation, but resurrection to a new life in what we call in Judaism the Olam Haba, the world to come. Not only there, but in the Talmud itself, we read about resurrection of the dead. So I thought I would just quote right from it, right from the, as we like to call it, the primary source, okay? In uh, Sanhedrin 91b, all right? Uh, it says here, uh, I figure most of us, the Aramaic, you know, might be cute or something, but better to read it in English. All right? Okay. Rabbi Chia Ba'aba said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, you know, I'm going to stop right there. I can't, I can't help myself. That is a classic uh, way of, of making an argument uh, in the Talmud. This is really important. Because in the Brit Harashah, in the New Covenant, when Yeshua says, he says something so radical, you talk about audacity, you know. Yeshua said, you've heard that has been said, but I say unto you, I say unto you. This was, a, you know, this was one of those things where the, uh, you, you read periodically in the text, it says, 
and they never heard anybody speak with such authority. It wasn't because he was speaking real loudly. You might have, and, and sometimes in commentaries it's kind of cute because they don't, they just, you know, they don't know too much about the, the Jewish backgrounds of these things. They say, well, you know, it was the Spirit of God. They, they, it was, no, it was that he said, but I say unto you. That's chutzpah, you know? And there's plenty of other terms to, uh, that we could use for that, all right? Because what I, people of his stature, what a sage would say is, this is true, and in the name of so-and-so, in the name of so-and-so, in the name of so-and-so, I'm going to say this. Because you see, the reason they say that is not only, it's not really about humility. It's the farther back you go, the more authority something has, Okay? Uh, and so if you said it in the name of your teacher, and he said it in the name of his teacher, there's the assumption that maybe this is an oral tradition that maybe goes back to Moses. See, So when Yeshua says, but I say unto you, what they really were saying is, we never heard anybody speak like this before, that he himself is making these claims. You see? And that's again, goes back to uh, uh, his nature of, of who he is. Because you read clearly uh, when when the Lord speaks, he says, it says, thus saith the Lord, not the Lord in the name of somebody else. And so Yeshua had this self-understanding of, of identity with the God of Israel. See? All right. Rabbi Chia Bar Abba said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, from where do we know about the resurrection of the dead from the Torah? We know about this from the verse that states, the voice of your watchman is heard. They lift up the voice together, and they shall sing. By the way, that's Isaiah 52 in verse 8. Okay, For they shall see eye to eye the Lord returning to Zion. The verse does not use the past form, they sang, but rather uses the future form, they will sing. Thus, we have here an allusion to the resurrection of the dead uh, in the Torah. Rabbi Chiyabar Abba said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, in the future, all the prophets will sing a song to God with one voice. For the verse states, The voice of your watchmen is heard. They lift up the voice together. They shall sing. Seemingly, to jump to an entirely new topic, the Gemara says, Rav Yehuda uh, says, Oh, is this? this um, oh, no, I went, no, that's okay. So there we go. Uh, uh, there are other passages, uh, but I won't take the time, but I think we get the point. And the point is, is that even in the Talmud, there is certainly the belief in the resurrection of the dead. And resurrection is not resuscitation. And that passage clearly states it. That not that uh, a prophet is going to die and then, you know, be resuscitated, but years later, those who have died are going to rise again, okay? So this belief in the resurrection of the dead is not something that is apart from Jewish, uh, Jewish belief, okay? Very, very important, okay? Uh, so now, having said that, when we uh, uh, recognize that uh, Yeshua, okay, Yeshua rose from the dead, it's very interesting that in the uh, book, in the uh, New Covenant that talks about the preaching of the followers of the Messiah after his day. That's called the Book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Very interesting. You are going to have a hard time reading through that 
and looking for lots of passages that talk about, that say basically, Yeshua died for our sins, and if you receive him in, into your heart, uh, you, you have eternal life. Okay? And that's true, but it's very interesting what the uh, primary message seemed to be in this book of Acts. So, you know, I have a list of uh, the texts that speak about the preaching in this, uh, in this book of Acts. And so we see in the first chapter, okay, it says in verse uh, 21 and 22, It is therefore necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Yeshua went in and out among us, beginning with the immersion of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these should become a witness with us of his resurrection. It tells you right away that the apostles, the followers of the Messiah, recognized that this resurrection, this was like off the charts. And that, see, they had to pick somebody else. They lost one, right? There was 11. They had to pick another, another apostle. And they said, we got to pick somebody who witnessed this resurrection, okay? So we see right away, it gives us a hint that this is really, really important, okay? In chapter 2, in the preaching of uh, Peter, all right, we read here, uh, begin in verse uh, 29. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Yeshua, whom God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. So in his preaching, what, what Peter preaches to the people, to the Jewish people here, is that this Messiah rose from the dead. Obviously, he had to have died to be raised from the dead. But it seems that the primary thing that they wanted to, to get across was this resurrection uh, uh, from the, the dead. Okay? Now, I'm just going to say that it is interesting, uh, and I remember, I think I gave a message on this sometime in the last year, uh, that he ties together, interestingly enough, Peter ties together where it says, see in verse 30, and so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him, with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. I'll just stop, stop there. I'm going I'm to say that again. It's a very important two little things he's saying. Okay? And so it says, he knew, speaking of David, that God had sworn to him an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne. He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. So what Peter is saying is, is that we know that David, everybody believes in David, right? That David, uh, you know, as great a king as he was and forgiven of God of his transgressions, he died and he is still in that grave, okay? But he spoke about someone else, a descendant of his, that was going to sit on his throne. And then what does he say? And he was speaking about the resurrection of the Messiah. He equates the throne and the resurrection. That's the point. 
he equates the one who sits on the throne, the king of Israel who sit on his throne forever, is the one who's raised from the dead with resurrection. Okay? Very, very important. Uh, and, and so this is the primary thing that Peter is preaching, that Yeshua is raised from the dead, and this is the one who, who David's talking about. Okay? Now, if this was a message just on this one thing, I could go to town on that. But we're going to move on. All right? You know me. I usually go to town anyway. But in uh, chapter 4, in, in verses 1 and 2, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain, you know, and by the way, the people are Jews. That's important to Jewish people. It's important to recognize in these contexts. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were preaching to the people and proclaiming in Yeshua the resurrection from the dead. So that's interesting. This gives us a really good insight into the focus of the preaching of the most earliest followers of the Messiah, the resurrection of the dead. That, well, what they're trying to communicate is this resurrection of the dead over and over again. Okay, if you go over to verse 33, um, verses 32 and 33 of Acts chapter 4. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Yeshua, and abundant grace was upon them. Again, what are they talking about? Resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. Seems to be a very, a very clear-cut statement, a very clear-cut message. Yeshua, the resurrection of the dead. Okay, if you go to Acts chapter 17, in verse 18, here Paul is preaching to Gentiles, okay? Okay, and it says, And also some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. And some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Boy, wouldn't that intimidate you? You know, I've heard worse. Anyway, others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities. Why? Because he was preaching Yeshua and the resurrection. So it was very interesting that not only to Jews, but to uh, philosophers of you know, of, uh, uh, of the Greek uh, philosophy and teaching, Stoics and others, Yeshua and the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection of the dead, okay? Now, uh, the passage uh, uh, goes on. Uh, at the very end, uh, after Paul is preaching, as we would say, his pee-picking heart out, all right, it says, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead... Some began to sneer, but others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. Again and again, when, when we are given a narrative of what were they teaching, resurrection is the word over and over and over again. Okay? Acts 23, we're almost done with this. Acts 23, but we're making a point. Okay? Acts 23 and verse 6. Now here... This actually is almost humorous, okay, when you really think about it. Uh, now, Paul is being brought 
before uh, the uh, the uh, high priest, right, and uh, uh, and before the Sanhedrin. Now he's in a real pickle here, right, and he's got to figure out what to do. Well, let's see what he does. And Paul, looking intently at the council, said, "Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day." And the high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him in the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. And do you sit, what chutzpah? And do you sit to try me according to the law and in violation of the law order me to be struck? These were the Jewish leaders of the day. Okay? But the bystanders said, you, do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. But perceiving that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the council, brethren, I am a Pharisee, son of Pharisees. I am, I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. Okay, that's what he says. He doesn't go through a whole thing of, well, let me explain to you how Yeshua died for our sins, you know, and we're justified by faith. Nope. He just says, the resurrection of Yeshua, right? I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. Okay? And as he said this, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Okay? Isn't that interesting? The Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. Why? Because this was, this is a cornerstone of Jewish belief. And so Paul knew that the Sadducees were not going to believe it, and the Pharisees were. And if, so if he says, I'm standing here on trial for the hope of the resurrection of the dead, the Pharisees had no choice but to agree with him. And the, and the Sadducees did not. And so this created an uproar. Basically, he divided the room. See? Uh, but, the point that uh, we want to make is this, this emphasis of the resurrection of the dead and also that the Pharisees held to this view. Okay, In Acts 24, in verse 15, or verse 14, But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve. By the way, now he's saying, he's referring to uh, the believers in Messiah as a sect. Sect, S-E-C-T, right? Not a sect of Christianity that wasn't invented yet, okay? A sect of the Jewish world, part of the Jewish world, right? So he says, but this I admit that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Believing everything that is in accordance with the Torah, and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that they certain that th that there certainly shall be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Okay, that comes right from the book of Daniel, by the way, a, re a resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. But the point is, is that Paul and the believers are being identified as those who teach this resurrection from the dead. And believe every word of the Tanakh. Believe every word of the Hebrew Scriptures. But the difference is, is they're preaching this resurrection. That this resurrection has taken place. This thing that has never happened before. 
All right. And so uh, we read in verse 21 of, cha- of that same chapter. We read, uh, let's see, well, verse 20 and 20. Or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I, st- when I stood before the council. Other, th- other than for this one statement which I shouted out while standing among them. For the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial before you today. Again, this emphasis on the resurrection of the dead. Okay, and finally, in chapter 26, in verses 22 and 23, again, Paul's testimony, in verse 21, 22, and 23. For this reason, some Jews uh, seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. And so having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Messiah was to suffer. There you go. This is one of the very few places where he says that the Messiah was to suffer. And that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he should be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And so we see the emphasis on his resurrection. No denial of the suffering of the Messiah. No denial of the suffering servant. No denial that he died for our sins and all of that. But the primary message, what they were so excited about, you might say, was the resurrection of the dead. And as it says, that he should be the first to proclaim light to both the, the Jewish, it says literally the people and the Gentiles, but the Jewish people and the Gentiles. So why this thing about the resurrection? What is so special about the resurrection? Because in a Jewish way of understanding things, the resurrection, just like Peter preached, is synonymous with the coming king. And when that king comes, that's the messianic age. That is the Olam Haba. And so you see this resurrection of the Messiah to these first followers of Yeshua. This is the beginning of the end. And that is why they expected him to return right away. See? Because the resurrection was the sign. You know, I have a friend, and I'm not going to tell you who he is. Some of you may, may know who he is. And he has written extensively about, uh, oh, just about... Jews living as Jews, knowing the Lord. And he, he can be quite a, a, a controversial figure in our, messianic, in our messianic movement. But he's a wonderful brother in Messiah. Uh, and I, uh, when he, he told me, because I asked him this question, uh, I said, so what do you say to people? I, I mean, I, what I, would, I, I had a conversation once where I said, you know, based on what you're telling me, you know, some people believe that you're not quite sure if Jewish people need to believe in Yeshua. And he said, oh, no, no. When I am uh, speaking to one of our people and I'm asked a question, so what is so special about Messiah? He says, he was raised from the dead. The resurrection of the dead. That is why I believe in Messiah Yeshua. He was raised from the dead. He is the, he is the beginning of the end for us. He is the Messiah. He is the king. And as a result 
of that resurrection. I have a hope for the future in my own life. And there is a dynamic way of interacting with God today that the most from person misses out on, not because they're religious and not because they're good, but because they're missing out on this resurrection connection with God. And the great sadness is, is that in the Siddur, we read that we believe in the resurrection of the dead. God revives the dead. We look forward to that day, in that day, in that day. And now today, we can experience a portion of that resurrection because Yeshua was raised from the dead. Now, again, now we might ask the question, so Yeshua was raised from the dead. How come the whole world isn't changed? This is what the Bible calls a mystery. A mystery. Now, I don't mean a mystery like we don't know. Not a mystery like uh, Sherlock Holmes mystery or something like that, you know, or something that's really like dark and mysterious, all right? No, mystery meaning something that had not been revealed prior, but that Yeshua reveals to us. And he reveals to us, in his own words, looking forward to this resurrection that, and this coming kingdom, because, you see, the, the Jewish teaching that they would have understood is that the king is going to be resurrected from the dead. See? And that's who Yeshua is. Uh, but that Yeshua uh, and his reign and his kingdom would take place in the midst of this world. And that what he desires to do is, is call us out as Jews and Gentiles to, to embrace him. And that there's actually the coming of the Messiah rather than one dynamic moment kaboom, it takes place over a period of who knows how long, at least 2,100 years. But we don't know how long. So this is important, because sometimes we, we make uh, such uh, theological paradigms, we can't understand it. So the Messiah has come, okay? And the understanding of his Messiahship is a progressive understanding, okay? And the mystery is, is that the Messiah appears, is going to appear two times. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to sound crazy. I'm going to say, there's one coming of the Messiah, but two appearances of the Messiah. And what I mean by that is, the Messiah has indeed come. And it's not like, well, we didn't get it right the first time, so now he's got to come again uh, and get it right, right? Or, or something like that, all right? He has come. And his kingdom has been inaugurated. And everyone who embraces Yeshua is embracing the God of Israel, Hashem, yud heh vav heh and takes upon themselves, using, using uh, our people's terminology, the yoke of the kingdom, okay? Uh, where Yeshua did say, take my yoke upon you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we take his yoke upon us, and he is our king, and the day is going to come when he is going to appear again and he's going to judge the earth and uh, the Jewish people en masse are going to say, like we like to say, I can't believe it was Yeshua, right? And then and the people of many nationalities, the nations are going to say, I can't believe he's Jewish, <laughs> right? 
uh, and the scriptures actually uh, uh, teach us that they shall recognize him whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, speaking of the Jewish people. And it says, nations of every tongue, every tribe, every people will come and will worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and are going to come to Jerusalem, and are going to celebrate Sukkot, and uh, because it's such a joyful holiday of the presence of God, uh, and uh, the world will be, uh, will be uh, one, as we will say in a few minutes in the Elenu. You see? Uh, and so the Messiah has indeed come. The question is, we are living in a day when we can either say, yes, I'm going to investigate this claim or forget about it. Well, take your chances and forget about it. But may I suggest it's a good thing to investigate the claims of the Messiah because if you embrace him, what that means is, is that in order to embrace Messiah, in order to be part of this uh, a kingdom, uh, in order to, be, uh, to relate to the resurrection of Yeshua, he has taken away our sins. So now, as the Bible says, we enter into his presence using a, a picture of like the Holy of Holies. We enter now through a new and living way, direct access to the presence of God. You know, it's kind of funny. People, sometimes people say, I don't need Yeshua. I just go directly to God. And of course, I, you know, what, what I may say to someone is, how do you know he'll see you? <laughs> you, you, you know, uh, that's quite an assumption. But I can tell you that embracing Messiah means I have direct access and I know I do. And I can experience that kind of life. So, as we said, when we embrace the Messiah uh, in this life, uh, a transformation begins to take place. See? Uh, one thing that happens is we receive the Ruach HaKodesh. I won't take time now to read the verses, but you read it in that second chapter of Acts, where Peter is preaching about the resurrection, that uh, Yeshua pours out the Ruach HaKodesh. That in the book of Joel is a promise that in that day, when the Messiah comes, in the day of that resurrection, the Ruach HaKodesh will be poured out. And what that means is we can connect to God in a new and living way. And we can participate in that resurrection life. And there are many places where we read, reckon yourself dead to sin but alive to God. You know what that means? That's not some kind of mystical thing. It says, think of yourself this way. Think of yourself as dead to sin and alive to God because you, you've embraced the Messiah. Live a certain way knowing, knowing, believing, thinking uh, uh, that you are identified in the resurrection of the Messiah because he has come. The Olam Haba has begun even in the midst of this world and we can participate in it. And so finally, you know, we read uh, uh, passages, uh, for example, that we... Uh, uh, that we read in uh, Romans there in chapter 6, where he says these words. Even so, well, I... For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. There are varieties of passages where we read about that we are a new creation, 
uh, we're uh, new in Messiah. Put on the new self. We read in the book of Colossians. Put on the new self. Take off the old self. All of these terms are referring to the concept that we are now entering spiritually, one might say, into this kingdom, into the Alam Haba, even though we're still living here. But that there are physical ramifications in it. The physical ramifications is we live differently by the power of God. We can forgive people. We're no longer slaves to sinful uh, ways of life. We no longer are chained to addictions. We no longer are chained to just, well, that's just the way I am kind of thinking. And that's why you read in places like in Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 3, don't think on the things below, think on things above. Not like things above like put your head in the clouds, but meaning think that think of life in this resurrection life because that's who you really are. See? And so we are related to the resurrection. And just uh, in, uh, in closing, uh, we uh, can uh, read the whole list of all the great things, of the ways we're related to Yeshua via his resurrection when uh, we read, for example, these words in Ephesians chapter 1, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Messiah Yeshua. Uh, according to the kind intention of his will. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, uh, that he has lavished upon us. He's made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he has purposed unto us, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is the summing up of all things in Messiah. Well, it goes on and on. You know, and, uh, and Peter uh, makes this great statement, tying it all together, finally, when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, Messiah Yeshua, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born all over again to a living hope through the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And it goes and it goes on. And so, uh, we live in this world. We live in a world where we're worried about what's going to happen, uh, you know, in Iran or what's going to happen on Morse Road or, you know, what's going to happen in our homes. Am I going to have enough money for retirement? And just there's a lot of worries uh, in this life all over the place. But isn't it a wonderful thing that we can connect via the resurrection of the Messiah who has come? And, and we can relate to the Olam Haba even ahead of time, so to speak. You know, like ahead of time. Uh, we get like the appetizer of the Olam Haba by relating to him who gives us this hope for the future. And that hope for the future is that we're going to have new bodies. There's no longer going to be depression, no tears, no crying, none of that business, no diseases. Not only that, but the land is going to yield its produce, the Bible says. And uh, the world will be what it was originally intended to be. When we participate in that resurrection, God has begun the rehabilitation process of our own lives. We now are the men and women whom God created us to be in his image and his likeness. And we can live that way, freed from those chains, that quicksand of, of a, a life of sadness and sin and so on. Yes, things happen to us. 
uh, that are unexplainable in this life. Uh, but you see, we belong to him. And, and we know, as Job says, I know my Redeemer lives, and so will I. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for the re- resurrection of Yeshua. Thank you, Lord, for the beginning of the harvest. And thank you, Lord, that uh, every time somebody comes and, and, and acknowledges Messiah, there's another, another harvest, another a grain, uh, another birth, another new life, Lord. And we thank you, God, for the new life that we have in you. Yes, old things have indeed passed away. And Lord, thank you that those writers said those things because they recognize that while the Olam Haba has come, the Messiah has indeed come, uh, Lord. And may we uh, uh, participate in that. May we Uh, recognize that and live in that way, Lord. And on this day, the day of first fruits, may we rejoice uh, in that great truth that happened then, that is true in our lives today, and that will be manifested completely in the future. We thank you in Messiah's name.